Final Destination is the slasher movie without the slasher. Death itself hunts down the survivors of a plane crash in increasingly elaborate mousetrap scenarios. Today we discuss the original film and the franchise and see how it holds up 22 years after its release. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter and joining me as always is the professor of the profound <laughs> and the disturbing is Tim. Mm, top of the morning to you. Why, 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 why are you saying an Irish phrase, Timmy? What's, what's getting to you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, just feeling that residual St. Patrick's Day love. <laughs> mm. Doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the Lionsgate were saying they want to reboot the Leprechaun franchise again the other day, was it? <laughs> uh, you, you never know. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes, uh, you know, when God closes a door, he uh, opens a window, which the... Uh, I said the, the closing door in this case would be, uh, you know, Karen Kusama's uh, Dracula, which unfortunately is not getting made. But hey, you know, uh, can't be too depressed because Lionsgate is looking to reboot the Leprechaun franchise. Don't you dare suggest to me <laughs> that that is an equal trade. Don't you dare. The director of The Invitation is no longer making a Dracula movie. Instead, we might get a ninth shitty Leprechaun film. Don't even pretend that is equal. Hey, I mean, I'm not saying it's the exact same, but it's a nice little consolation. Like, yeah, it's no, hard it's... to be too down. <laughs> no, it's not. It's getting kicked in the balls and then immediately getting kicked in the balls again. <laughs> well, you can't really judge it. You don't know, like, the kind of talent they might bring on. Like, what if, you know, Robert Eggers says that, you know, that's his next project? <laughs> I mean, if Robert Eggers is doing it, it's, it's not even going to be a part of the franchise. It'll just be its own weird leprechaun thing. <laughs> and you know it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it would go, maybe it'll go with his set. Because if, if he does Nosferatu, he's already done mm -hmm. The Witch, he'll do The Leprechaun, and then... <laughs> it's a logical procession, yeah. yeah. He can do The Mummy. He'll hit all the, you know, the three big Halloween <laughs> monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. We talk about horror movies on this show, <laughs> everyone, and we're here today to talk about Final Destination. Yes, we are starting a franchise, even though we have like four franchises in the middle of their tenures. In fact, we've, we've only did one Puppet Master movie, we need to get back to that at some point. <laughs> but the reason why we're doing this is because out of nowhere, seemingly, um, we discovered recently that there's going to be a sixth Final Destination movie later this year. And we're like, shit, we've not done those yet. We need to get, get going. So uh, we're kind of fast-tracking this franchise uh, so that we're prepared for the sixth one coming out uh, later this year. And we don't even know when in the year it's coming, so we're like, oh, we need to get this started soon, just in case, just in case they spring it on us with a straight-to-streaming release in, like, June. So yeah. here we are. This is going to be Fell Destination from 2000. It came out uh, when... Most people probably in the, 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 the audience age range of this show were probably in some form of school when this came out. <laughs> Not all of you. I'm sure some of you are really old and some of you are really young, but most of you. I would say, knowing our audience, probably most of them were in jail <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was 11 when this uh, this came out, mm -hmm. so... Uh, yeah, so it's, it's right, it's right, kind of like just after that. Like, Mama, please buy me a ticket for Final Destination. 
What was that voice? <laughs> that was you when you're 11. That might be the most I've, I've seen you make yourself laugh. You, you, you broke yourself for that. Is this funny imagining because you know you look the exact same when you're 11, but you still <laughs> sounded like a little kid. And English, apparently. <laughs> good stuff good stuff <laughs> yes just applaud yourself for your own joke yeah, very good <laughs> all right uh, so yeah so the premise of Final Destination as a franchise is pretty simple uh, a group of characters are supposed to die in some sort of big accident but because someone gets a vision of the accident they inadvertently well there's maybe it's less inadvertent as the movies go on but certainly in the first one it's inadvertent saves a group of the characters from the, the the bigger disaster and as a result death as a as a force as an unseen entity kind of hunts them down one by one so it's kind of a slasher movie where there's no real slasher it's just the world mm-hmm. <laughs> like comes after them over the course Technically, of the movie it could be the predator because he can cloak and go invisible yeah <laughs> Like, what if the sixth movie they just revealed, like, oh, it's been the Predator the whole time? I would love to see, like, I'd love to love to flash back and show how some of the deaths in this were the Predator somehow orchestrating them, because they don't feel like it's just, like, someone or some, you know, humanoid body going up and, like, moving some things. Like, I don't want to spoil any deaths yet. We're, you know, we're not in spoilers yet. We'll start spoiler-free, of course. We'll give you a warning before we go to spoilers later in the film. Uh, or later in the podcast, I should say. Uh, but, yes. So, that that is the basic gist of it. Uh, it's kind of weird watching this now. Uh, I've not seen it in over a decade, probably. Uh, how long has it been for you? Uh, just a few years. Because okay. I, I, I never actually saw this when it came out. So, oh. I think the first time I watched it was like, maybe three or four years ago. Uh, I, I think it was actually during an Octoberthon. I basically marathoned. Uh, actually, I should say, I, I think I saw one of the 3D ones in theaters, but that was like the only one I'd seen before. Um, for some reason, my dad wanted to see it, which is weird. I don't think he likes the franchise, but um, yeah, so I, I hadn't seen most of them before. Then I did a marathon like a, a couple of years ago because uh, I, I always thought they were supposed to be kind of bad. And then like, I think over the last couple of years, I've heard a lot of people say how much they like them and like the franchise and stuff. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll uh, I'll check them out. So well, wow, don't yeah, don't uh, give your thoughts away, Timmy. We're, we're, I know, we're, I we're just getting myself. there. <laughs> <laughs> so tempting. Uh, yeah, I I saw this a lot when it came out. Well, I say it came out specifically when it hit uh, like cable. It was on the movie channels like constantly. <laughs> I, I think I it took a while because it was a video nasty at first. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was the eighties, Timmy. That was the early eighties. <laughs> Now, I I think when I hit pay-per-view, I, I might have got I might have convinced the parents to let me get the pay-per-view to see it. Pay-per-view, old oh, man, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> You're older than I am, you little shit. <laughs> uh, so, I I watched it, and what's funny is going back and and watching it now, partly because Devin Sawa, who's the lead in this film, uh, was like the dad on the Chucky TV show mm-hmm. uh, last year. So uh, it's funny that I've gotten used to him now as this middle-aged guy, and he's so yeah. different in this. Uh, Ali Latter's probably the biggest name of the cast in the sense that she went on to actually be in a lot hey, of other things. How dare you? You you forget a, a one Tony Todd. Oh, sh- I mean, yeah, Tony Todd's big in the horror community, but you know, Ali, Ali Latter 
went on to be in multiple TV shows that were fairly successful, be in multiple movies. Like she, she like I'm. What about uh, Sean William Scott? Oh the yeah, Stifler himself. Come on. Yeah, which came out before <laughs> this. He, man. he already peaked with fame before this came out. <laughs> <laughs> he peaked with American Pie, which was a year before this. Like this mm, is. I, mean, the... I guess someone's not watching. Uh, Welcome to Flash. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, Timmy. <laughs> it's a new television sitcom. Uh, it's actually quite funny, I think. Uh, but yeah, Sean William Scott is in it, oh. playing a priest, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's what we also share with. <laughs> yeah. And let's not forget, uh, dude, where's my car? <laughs> dude, where's my car? <laughs> Your example of Sean William Scott being a star is from like 2004 or whatever year that movie came out. I've heard good things about Goon. I know Matt likes Goon, but... Goon's uh, good, yeah. But yeah. You'd like Goon. Would I? You're a big hockey guy. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Totally. Hockey me. Uh, Knuckle Shuffle and the Flying V, all that jazz, yes. Um, Ugh. <laughs> of course, you would have to relate sports to a kid's film. <laughs> it's a quality kids film shut up so yeah I mean that's kind of her names yeah Toy Todd has a cameo because I think he's a producer on it technically so they gave him like a one scene cameo mm-hmm. uh, but Devin Sawa Ali Lauder <laughs> Ali Lauder uh, Kerr Smith I guess like I think he was kind of almost a star <laughs> in this time period uh, mm-hmm. because of Dawson's Creek oh he was in the middle uh... of the Valentine remake as well we watched that we did that in the show Okay, okay. So yeah, he so he, he was yeah. in some things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I've not seen him on this, but it does not surprise me to find out that he's been in nine episodes of Riverdale. That's exactly the sort of thing he would come back <laughs> and do. Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's been in a, a bunch of different things. Um, I sometimes get mixed up with the guy who played... Um, Daredevil? No, I was thinking Marvel. Ben uh, Affleck. Doctor Doom. And, and seeing the Fantastic Four movies in the 2000s. Oh, the uh, the guy from Nip Tuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've got a similar... They could be brothers, is what I'm saying. They, they've got a very similar look. <sighs> uh, I'm seeing it in my head now. A movie about brothers. <laughs> brothers who are grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's your. That's Does your anyone cast. like this podcast? I don't even. I, I, some, some people do, I swear. And I, I, I don't know how much I'll have edited out by this point, honestly. That, 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 uh, give me a challenge here. Um, <laughs> that, that 10 minutes on the new Leprechaun movie is definitely getting cut out. Uh, so. Gold. <laughs> the director is James Wong, who mm. I know went on to do the third one. Of this so i opened him up because i'm like oh what's, what is he what's he done since then because i actually don't know and mm. he's not done a lot he did dragon ball evolution which I, i've not seen but oh boy I, uh yeah that's uh, not so good <laughs> and he's done a handful of episodes of the newer x-files episodes and a few one-off episodes <laughs> of other things and that's it he has not done a movie since dragon ball evolution that movie killed his career apparently to be fair it's a very bad movie <laughs> Uh, that's fair. He, he, he has... I, I don't know how much control he had over it. Maybe he was just, whatever, you know, hired to and did what he could. But yeah, the movie is not good. Uh, don't get me wrong. He does seem to have a successful career as a producer. He's producing a lot. He's still getting credit a lot as a producer. But oh, his, directing, his directing career 
Meta Swift Ten with Dragon Ball Evolution by the looks of it. But a bunch of characters, high school students are going on a trip to Paris with their their the oh, French wee. teacher because <laughs> yes, they're going to speak French in the native French <laughs> land. Again, bungee jump off the uh, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and their final destination is the concrete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim was making an American yeah. Wolf in Paris joke there, just in case anyone didn't get that. I guess I'll ask the question. Tim! Yeah. You, you've... you. I mean, it's not really a revisit for you because it wasn't that long since you'd seen it, but... Uh, right, right, right. Uh, whereas when I, think when I get to me, I'll probably talk a little bit about, like my memories of how I felt about it <laughs> and mm-hmm. if it's changed any in the last decade plus plus years. So mm-hmm. Tim, how do you yeah. feel about the original Final Destination? Uh, so it's interesting because I do think the... I, I think the movie has just such a, a terrific premise. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's a really, really fun uh, creative idea that leads to like a lot of like really cool interesting kills that you you know won't see in other movies um yeah and uh <laughs> when i watch it 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 is definitely like very 2000s <laughs> like you know it's really hard to and, and and i guess also like you know it reminds me maybe a little bit more of the 90s cuz i mean you know, if it came out in 2000s you know we're still in that late 90s ish uh, kind of period um so I I don't know it's it's such a weird uh thing because I, like I don't know just maybe it's because I, I I was you know uh, I would have just been starting high school at that time uh and oh maybe I just have bad memories of it but I just I usually don't like anything that reminds me too much of that time period like I have some nostalgia for like the early nineties but once you get to like the late nineties like early two thousands it's like ugh, I'd rather not think about that um. But I don't know. It, it's kind of strange because the I, I think the movie's fun. I I like it, but I also weirdly like don't feel super strong about it. Like um, you know, so I, I probably watched it maybe about two or three times now at this point. Um, but I just kind of I don't I don't know. I I like I don't really hate it. Um, uh, I don't <laughs> really love it though. Even though like I think it has like a really cool idea behind it. Um, when I watch it, I mean maybe it's just. I don't know if if just the look and kind of filmmaking maybe leaves me a little bare, but the uh, I don't know. It, it's just like something I think is just fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I I'm a little ambivalent about it. I just I, I don't have like super strong feelings about it. I saw this a lot back in like 2000 and maybe the, the few years after that. Right, I, I think up until the third one or the fourth one came out, I saw kind of those early ones. Whereas the fifth one, I only saw the ones because by the time the fifth one came out, it was, it, you know, it, it kind of moved on as, as a people <laughs> by that point. <laughs> and it was kind of this later entry. But I, I think watching it again now, uh, or, well, I, I always felt like the first one wasn't a great movie. It had a cool mm-hmm. idea and a couple of the deaths do stick out as pretty fun scenes but mm-hmm. the movie as a whole is, is is mired in like just this early 2000s like taking it su- itself super seriously and yeah. it's like it, even the opening titles like the, the you get these dramatic violins going and mm-hmm. uh just all the hints of the things to come it just it, it feels like it's really really going for this mood that is just kind of like 
when we get to the cool kill scenes, it's like you can see the spark of the creativity, you can see the spark of the yeah. genius. But when we're having characters debate things and talk about things, or dare I say, uh, Devin Sawa's noticing the signs and he's looking yeah. around and seeing like these hints in the, the environment, those scenes come off as quite laughable to me a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I've always been someone who felt that Fair Decision 2... Not to jump ahead into my feelings on that, and we'll find out if I still feel this way, but I think Final Decision 2 was the one that captured what this franchise should be, and it sort of leaned into the fun of it. Uh, I'll leave that just like that for now, because we're going to talk about that properly and not too distant future, but that that was always my feeling, and I think uh, it kind of solidified for me when I saw 2 how I felt about 1. And how going back mm-hmm. and watching one again kind of felt a bit a bit of a chore at times because I, I do think the movie does take itself far too seriously. And I think when mm-hmm. it tries to take its mythology seriously, which is really quite silly when you stop and think about it, it mm-hmm. gets mired in its own... Myth, just mired in its own bullshit. <laughs> and, yeah. And it, yeah, so... I, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm kind of on the same page with you. Like, I feel like all you really need to do is you need to get the premise set up and then just like go have fun with it but yeah there is so much stuff where you know it's characters like dealing with the death and then like yeah dealing with people being freaked out and then trying to like solve the the mystery and all this stuff and like you really don't need that like you just need the setup and then just to go go with it you know and uh yeah like i don't know i i think that's definitely the kind of stuff that i'm not crazy about it are those scenes where yeah it, it's you know them him trying to figure out the the flight path of the explosion which is like a neat idea but then like you know there's too much like of him like thinking about it and trying to figure it out and then yeah getting the premonitions and then like trying to stop them it's like yeah we, we get what's going on now we just need to go have fun with it and like even the beginning like i, I don't know if you agree with this but it feels like it takes a long time <laughs> to get you know to the plane and what happens on there and everything like I, I don't know. In my memory, I thought it like happened like a lot quicker, but instead, there's like a lot of setup. I feel like. Um, that's interesting. I don't know if I would necessarily say that there's too much setup in the sense. I don't necessarily like a lot of the setup that's there because I do think some of it's really stupid. But <laughs> the, and we'll get into what that is when we get to spoilers. But I, I would say that I do think it's smart to take time to at least like establish all the main characters, like all all the kids. I mean, like, oh sure, yeah. Cause Obviously, you've got this, you know, ensemble of six or seven kids or however many mm-hmm. it is, a couple of teachers, and obviously we're going to spend a lot of time with the main two or three of them, but a lot of them aren't going to get as much time, so you kind of have to very quickly establish who some of them are, make us care a little bit, and then when we do get, you know, after the plane section of the film and we get into the actual premise, which is death's going to hunt them down and kill them in, in various ways, and that's, that's, and that's when the movie gets fun, like... There's uh, one scene in particular in the house in this, and I don't want to spoil two or whatever, where it really does a good job setting up all the potential things that might kill the character in the room. And that's the scene that everyone remembers from this movie. And it gets laughable by the end, but in a good way where you're kind of like, this is hilarious, it's funny, it's a fun kill. I'm not taking it seriously, it's impossible to take it seriously. And it feels like the movie for a minute forgets that it's trying to take itself like super we're super serious emo we're we're mm-hmm. you know this is about death and the nature of death and all the blah 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 it forgets that for a second and just has fun and even cracks a little joke about it 
And I think you can tell that when you get to the second one that they really played into that, where it's like, okay, now, like, now they're all going to be these fun death scenes where we're going to like tease the, the murders and how, how they're going to happen and all these things. So those that's moments... That's definitely the... Yeah, those yeah, moments are good. I, yeah, I, like, I would say that's definitely the highlight is, you know, the more elaborate the deaths get um, and the more they kind of tease it out, like, showing all these different things. And then I like when... You know, you think you have it figured out, like, oh, okay, this is how they're going to die. But then, like, they narrowly avoid it. But then it something they avoided ends up causing something else to happen. Like, that's really fun. That's, like, kind of what you're yeah. here for. And some of them are really stupid. And I think at a certain point, you can't <laughs> take this premise too seriously. Because by its nature, it has to be kind of these random, weird, silly things that are happening to, to, to mm-hmm. kill them. And when it plays into that, like, I'm having fun. But when his Ali La are telling Devin Sawa about how her father died, I'm just like, oh my god, shut up. I do not care about your dead dad. I could not give a shit. Go and try yeah. your your uh, your Oscar attempt somewhere else. <laughs> you can tell she's a serious actor. Ali La wants to be taken seriously. I'm, I'm going to do the serious speech in this film. Um, I mean, yeah, this is not the same as, uh, you know, Phoebe Cates and Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, say what you want. Everyone remembers that Santa story in Gremlins. Oh, no, that's a great, great yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one really remembers this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, like, one of the big problems. It does sort of, like, it does have kind of a desaturated look to it. There's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, sort of moodiness that it's going for. And I just don't think that this is that. This, this, if, if this is the slasher with the invisible slasher then it should take itself a bit seriously as a slasher movie tends to now obviously some slasher movies can take themselves a bit more seriously and they're more slick and whatever and they can work but if you know depending on what type of slasher you have if you have a slasher who's wearing i don't know uh like i don't know some sillier outfit right you look at that and go no this is just a silly slasher movie you can we can't you know you can take the shape you can take michael myers seriously and have him be this like slow imposing predator who's coming for everyone but you don't necessarily feel that way when you watch i don't know the prowler or drive through <laughs> drive through or whatever and that's okay as long as you play to that that's fine as long as you know what your tone is and you know what you're going for um the problem is is i think your kids constantly at odds in this movie because the tone that the, the director and the writer trying to go for is at odds with what the premise is actually lending itself to and the parts that you actually end up enjoying. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, the tone is kind of like when I try to feed my son uh, oatmeal and I let him, uh, you know, use uh, the spoon all by himself. It's all over the place. <laughs> yes. Yes, that, that, that is, that, that's a good analogy, on point. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. You know, I think the Tony Todd scene. I love Tony Todd, but I think his scene's quite bad. Oh, I, I actually, I think I disagree. I like the scene. Uh, I like a lot. It is very over the top and melodramatic, and honestly, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but uh, I know I, I still kind of love it just because he brings. I know I, I just think he's so good in it, and I don't. It, it adds like a little. <laughs> kind of a bit of like i don't know uh weirdness to it Hmm. i think one of the things is that a lot of the the mythology and how it's like talked about and introduced again they're taking it so seriously but it's actually really stupid when you stop and think about how quickly 
characters buy into anything or the fact that they run into this Tony Todd Mortician character who immediately sort of <laughs> saying these really ominous things and like, yeah it's like how does he know any of this <laughs> yeah it's, it's so weird like you almost get a feeling that he's not a real character that he's he's actually like a I don't know, like a messenger of death who's there to like talk to them or he's something. <laughs> yeah, like I, I haven't scoured the, uh, you know, the old internet forums, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some fan theories or something dedicated to, you know, him being a death or a disciple mm-hmm. of death or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I very could be wrong, but I think he shows up in the other movies. <laughs> I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I, 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 think... I think he shows up in the second one for sure. I don't know yeah. if he shows up past that though. We'll see. <laughs> I guess we will see. Uh, yeah, it's it's all a bit weird. It's just, it's all a bit just over the top. Like honestly, everything about this movie feels very because it's a new line cinema film, and everything about it feels new line cinema. Yes, yes. Tim thinks I'm being pretentious. Apparently, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, I agree. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, you can tell this is like them trying to do like the post scream movie. Because New Line, of course, you know, had Freddy. They have uh, by the end they had Jason, although they didn't really do that much with Jason. Uh, although Jason X was actually a couple of years after this, funnily enough, but it was actually shot in '99 and shelved for a couple of years for whatever reason. Yeah, I feel like even though I, I don't know, like like there really isn't like much similarities to Scream. You can kind of feel like I don't know, just the the DNA is like trying to be sprinkled in here like just like the look of it and yeah um, it's not it's not about the premise or or even its tone this is it it's more just the type of characters and the type of attitude that it's sort of giving yeah. the cat you know, it just it feels like it was made for a post scream audience even though i wouldn't necessarily sure. say a lot of it is like scream per se yeah yeah uh but you definitely feel it i think in the just the the, 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 the teenagers and uh their shittiness and it's almost like instead of the meta, like Randy talking about horror movies, stuff you get in Scream, you have Devin Sawa saying, death is a design. And you, know, like you basically, basically yeah. swap out one thing for the other. But mm. there's, there's definitely a lot of that in there. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But there, there are some good deaths. I mean, I'll give you that. There's one the standout death, and then there's a couple of fun, quick deaths, uh, I would say. Yeah. I will say the movie does peak kind of at a weird place in the middle because I do th- the ending, and I'm not necessarily talking about the final scene. I'm talking more about kind of like the because it's kind of like an epilogue style, you know, segment at the right, end. Right. But the yeah. actual sort of climax of the main part of the movie, uh, I didn't re- like. I remembered so much of this movie really easily, but that was like a, like a 15 minute stretch towards the end where I'm like, I don't remember any of this because it's yeah. very forgettable <laughs> and not the you know it doesn't live up to the the, the heights of a lot of the stuff that takes place before it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I feel like it's not a super long movie, but I don't know, probably could have been trimmed down a little bit. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not my biggest problem because, again, I think the, mm-hmm. the tone uh, is, is by far its biggest problem, but, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue. I feel like if you, yeah, if you, like, trimmed it up and, like, just, you know, maybe got rid of some of that more, I don't know, in between stuff that's not as important and just you know get to the deaths kind of faster mm. 
Uh, I don't know, it might help it a bit, but I mean, like you said, though, uh, I, I agree that, yeah, the ending, you know, minus epilogue and stuff, like, is a little forgettable. I don't know if they could have tried something maybe a little <laughs> clever or more attention-grabbing or something. But, yeah, because I, I, I was the same way where, you know, most of the early stuff I remembered, but then, like, yeah, this little, like, kind of final chunk, even though it hadn't been that long since I seen it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that, like, this is uh, where they're going with it. Well, with that said, I think we should probably just give a spoiler warning so we can talk about everything freely and openly. Uh, so full spoilers from this point on for Final Destination. Mm -hmm. And I am going to start this uh, by... So so the opening section, which is the, the going to the airport, hanging about at the airport, waiting for the flight, getting introduced to all the characters, mm -hmm. all this sort of section. There's a lot of just weird shit in this. So... This is a trend, and it's funny that Sean William Scott's in here, even though he's playing kind of like the guy that gets picked on by the bully character. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously he's known for American Pie. And one of the weird mm -hmm. things that came out of this era, and not just this era, but it was certainly a height because of American Pie around this time, was like really weird... People having sex with pies. Was really weird things <laughs> that like teenage boys would do to impress teenage girls are really weird mm -hmm. things that they would so what i'm trying to get to here is at the start of the film we have our main character played by devon saba alex mm -hmm. and his best friend is todd and todd okay, don't well, use don't forget to use the last names horror fans will get a treat out of those okay sorry alex browning is devon saba and then todd wagner so I I didn't realize it until like rewatching it and I was like I I, I must have picked up on it last time I watched it but it's like literally every character uh you know last name or sometimes their whole name is like some type of reference to like a classic like horror director or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean someone even mentions a Hitchcock at one point early on. Yeah, and like the teacher is like Valerie Luton. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shawn Scott's name's Hitchcock, and then yeah. uh, the the blonde girl. She's uh, Terry Cheney, obviously Lon Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a bunch. Um. But yeah. So early on, Todd comes to Alex and says, yeah. "Dude, come take a shit with me." Hell yeah. And <laughs> Alex says, "What? Why?" He's like, "No, we have to. We have to go take shits right now. Like, just imagine you're on the flight and." Like you know, you've had the air, you had the air, the, the airplane food. You get it out, you you go to the bathroom. It's like a closet. You're gonna be miserable, and then you get out, and then one of those two girls that I've been trying to like chat up, they're mm -hmm. coming in after you, and they're go they're going to associate the smell you leave behind with you, mm -hmm. and that's your chances ruined. So we have to go take a shit. Cut to them mm -hmm. in the bathroom, taking a dump. Mm -hmm. Separately. Yeah, they're in different cubicles, yes. Yeah, they're, they're not in one cubicle. Jeez. <laughs> they're not in, like, one stall, like, cheek-to-cheek, -cheek <laughs> trying to <laughs> go at the same time, even though that would be kind of fun. Did you not think anything was strange about this guy's logic? That th this was a concern? <laughs> that the girl he that likes might go to, to the bathroom after him? And what, she's going to be like, what? Oh, oh, what a filthy man. He goes to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a real thing. No one wants to, you know, have someone go into the bathroom after you if it's smelly. That's. I think that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> the chances of her being the the one person 
on the plane who's mm-hmm. going to go there's just there's not like there's, there's like hundreds of people on this plane hey you know it's uh the chances are low sure but you never know it's it's better to be prepared i can't believe you're defending this 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 struck not, me is <laughs> such a weird thing listen i i don't think it's necessarily a weird thing i think the logic is sound i don't think it needed to be in the movie <laughs> like you know that like that I, I think is weird but i mean i see where he's coming from though um i don't know i thought this was stupid this this to me was like, just just like when they're on the plane and he wants alex to lie and not swap seats because the two girls are separated like and one of them's like hey can you switch seats with me todd and he makes up some sort of medical reason uh, if I, I think the medical reason was even something to do with like uh, digestion or it's, it's something about he, he needed to, like I thought it sounded like he had to go to the bathroom like a like something he would need to go to the bathroom yeah, yeah. for it, it didn't what, sound flattering <laughs> which is my point is he said we have to go for a shit now so that she doesn't associate us with bad shit smells and then the excuse he gives her on the plane so that he doesn't have to move seats so that he can sit next to one of them is that he has to shit a lot. Do you not see the flaw in his plan here? Assuming his initial logic makes sense and mm. we're on board with that, he throws it all out the window. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's a smart man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. So, yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things like this. She's showing him Scott being picked on. You, you know, we're interested to the two teachers and so on and so on. Mm. He's noticing lots of like weird little things and like, yeah, he's kind of like starting to pick up on on stuff like, uh, I can't even really remember. I'm I like, but it's just like weird stuff that you know is weird because uh, cameras zooming in and making sounds and stuff. Well, not only that, he's looking around like a real dopey looking idiot though. Is he's, he's staring at things? As if yeah. he's like, you know, he starts <laughs> paying attention to everyone else and he's staring at some detail and it's yeah. like maybe it's like the. The, the the names changing on the on the destination board mm-hmm. uh for some reason he takes it as a really bad omen when the the woman taking his ticket says oh hey your birthday's oh, the yeah, same yeah. as the departure time and the, the, the strings came in and he looks really worried about it and i'm like <laughs> like like it was was so weird is that in the movie obviously it, like it shows that he is right to feel nervous and he actually is picking up on signs but all I could think of watching this is like, no, you, you are coming off as just a tit right now because you're just reading sure. into all these weird, stupid things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much of it in this part of the movie. Obviously, because they overdrive once they're actually sitting on the plane and we get the, the plane explosion happen. He like starts to... There's a couple of things he does. He notices this pin that pulls out the back of the seat and there's a couple of events that lead to that. Which is important because when he sort of like flashes back, you know, because we see it all sort of play out to a certain point up until the moment of his death. And then it flashes back to when he was being asked to change seats. And he's like, wait a minute, is this going to happen? And then he pulls the pin out and it's like, oh shit, this is still the same. So mm-hmm. therefore, this explosion is going to happen. So he, freak- <laughs> he freaks yeah. out. And while there's a couple of people that make sense to go off the plane with them, I'd say about half of them only end up getting pushed off the plane because they happen to be in the aisle, like, yeah, that's sort of on the way much. to the exit. You know, Sean William Scott, yeah. in particular, just comes out of the bathroom and is like, oh, what's going on? And he gets, like, pushed off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a, a batch <laughs> of characters who are left at the airport. Um, 
I I do like the idea though that both the teachers went off the plane and then they weren't going to let them back on and like oh, you have to let at least one of us get back. Yeah. There's, there's a whole <laughs> class of students on that flight <laughs> who don't have like the hotel details or anything. We have to take care yeah. of them. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he does. He lets the husband go back on because it's a married couple who are both teachers, uh, which is important because drama because she's going to be mortified that her husband's dead. Sure. Yes. So, uh, Kerr Smith's pissed that they're losing at least half a day in Paris because they have to get a later flight because Devin Sawa got them thrown off the, f- the the plane. And as he's trying to pick a fight with them, they're being held back from each other. You just see the explosion happen in the background out the window and the, the shockwave hits the window and smashes it all. And they're all mm-hmm. in shock. And that's the start of the movie. Yeah, and then uh, I was I was trying to remember like when exactly this came out because it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy because it's you know so close to yeah you know, uh, September 11th like it was just you know one year before you know 2001 that it's like oh yeah that I'm I assume they would never show that scene you know if uh, this came out after it. It certainly wouldn't have been done at Reno in the years far. I mean, I, th- I think you can do a plane explosion now in a movie. I don't think. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah, of course yeah. now. I, but yeah, I meant like if it if this came out like a year later, like I don't know if they, you know, <laughs> what, what uh, they would have done, but it would have seemed like too crazy. <laughs> I, I think uh, if this was coming out a year later, when I, mean, I say a year later, I mean because I mean a year later may have still been the summer. So let's just say right, 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 like right, yeah. you know after September. I think if they were planning on releasing it. And then that happens. I think they have to shelf it for a couple of years and maybe put it direct to yeah. video or something. I, 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 like it would, it would be that sort of thing where shit. Either we spend a lot of money reshooting the first like third of the movie, so it's a completely different thing that happens, and then yeah. like redo like little bits of dialogue later where it references the plane, yeah. or we just have to quietly put it out later in video or something because we yeah. can't, we can't release this in theaters as as yeah. So, but notably, uh, the sequels don't have planes at the start. They're all other right. things, which they'd have done it anyway because it'd just be different. But they, they didn't even yeah. toy with going back to a plane for, mm-hmm. you know, numerous reasons. So, yeah. So one thing that I think is kind of weird is like as much stuff that they try to, you know, like explain or theorize about this movie. Like I don't think they ever really talk about why or how he got these visions nope uh really not once (laughs) yeah i mean Kerr smith yells at him a couple of times saying you think you're god because you're seeing things or something like that (laughs) but other than that like there's no explanation no one questions and this is kind of the weird thing is when it gets into the whole okay so they were meant to die on that plane but he Mm -hmm. because he had visions which are coming from where? Like, who's giving him these visions? Is yeah. this... If, if, if death is the villain here, is there, like, some angel, like, try to give mm-hmm. him a warning? And if so, why? Like, is there a reason? Yeah. Is there a purpose? And that's, like, a... that You could almost, like, build a whole mythology around that. This could be, like, no, an angel's trying to protect him because him and his powers are going to be instrumental in fighting a war against the satanic forces of evil <laughs> or something. Like, you could go nuts with that if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just, it just... It just does. It just does. Um... It's never. This is the thing. Like they talk about how we were supposed to die, so now death's going to hunt them down one by one, and that's what they gradually realize as more people die. Um, they never like. It's kind of brought up at the very, very end, where Ali Latter suggests, "What if us three were supposed to survive?" 
And because mm-hmm. I was thinking that at one point in the movie, I was like, yeah, but how do you know you weren't supposed to get off the plane? Like, that's true. I man. mean, obviously, the movie's saying, no, they weren't supposed to because that's why Death's hunting them, and that's fair enough. But mm-hmm. you, you don't know for sure, really. Like, may, maybe mm-hmm. only the one person was, wasn't supposed to get off, and like the rest of you would mm-hmm. be fine. Like, who knows? Um, I think where, where the movie kind of falls down, if you want to have like a more serious spin on it, is that it really, if it's going to have a, if you're going to go try and make it a serious movie, and not just be this like silly excuse to have some great really fun inventive death sequences is that it should probably like have something to say and when you look at like other horror movies uh, you know you talk about it follows or you talk about anything else like the horror element is an allegory for something right Mm -hmm. and i think you take this premise and it's not that hard to kind of like mold it into an idea like this premise well, could very yeah. easily be talking about how once you like get to the end of your teens, you start you maybe have to start. Like, and admittedly, this doesn't really happen until you're a bit older. But like, you could take to talk about like this sudden fear of like instant death being like you dealing with mortality because you never really considered it until then, or something like that. And I don't think the movie really goes into anything. It doesn't really say anything or explore any of those ideas. See, see it's kind of funny because I always thought of you know death as representing capitalism in this movie and you know uh, how hard it is you know we we try to escape the clutches of capitalism and and yet i keep being drawn back into its icy grip i try to make a an insightful point <laughs> i try i try to offer some analysis or some critical uh suggestions hey, my, for the film and, and, and my my idea is smart too <laughs> i said buzzwords i said yeah. things that make sense yeah i it's just it feels like it could actually have some allegory to it and i don't really think yeah. it does it, it i mean maybe some people argue that it is there but i didn't really feel it from, from watching it this time uh with a yeah, more adult so. set of eyes so uh it's you know and i must say it needs that like i like i say i'm all for just a fun schlocky time but it's, it, it kind of mm-hmm. feels like it doesn't want it to be a fun schlocky time it's trying to like take itself very seriously <laughs> that should be like the the first line on your it, on your online dating profile i'm here for a schlocky fun time <laughs> I'm sure that'd go very well, yes. <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd DM you. <laughs> Saw that. Uh, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those things where questioning why this stuff is happening is just kind of, like, difficult to address. And when the characters do talk about, like, this stuff, like his premonitions or... And I'd forgotten some of this other stuff, like Ali Latter's character, Claire. Uh, she kind of chooses to get off the plane. She sees like Alex freaking out and she makes the choice to get off the plane. And then she has a moment at the funeral for everyone who died where she comes up and gives him a flower and thanks him for, you know, because of him, she's alive. So she's, she feels thankful. Mm-hmm. And... It's after the first death, after Todd, uh, you know, it looks like a suicide because he, he sort of hung himself in the shower, but it obviously <laughs> we see it and it's not a suicide at all. But he ends up going to see her and 
she she well first of all she makes like these like new age modern art sculptures and there's a whole sequence here where she says this is you because like this is how you make me feel and i'm like what was this what's going on because <laughs> like, she even says that they've never really spoken to each other before the plane mm-hmm. and like they're not friends but all of a sudden like there's this connection and she talks about how that night on the plane like i mean i didn't get a premonition but i felt like the sense of like death from you and it freaked <laughs> me out so i got off the plane and I think you're still feeling like all those all those like weird feelings that something bad was going to happen. You're still feeling it because I can still feel you. This scene was terrible. Like the dialogue <laughs> in this scene was absolute garbage and like laughable at points. I can't imagine anyone saying any of this and taking themselves seriously. Uh, <laughs> like, and maybe you could argue the performances are all about there, but it's mostly the script. The, the script really paints the characters is a bunch of idiots who just instantly start talking like this and believing all this shit. Um, if, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, maybe I'm being too forgiving, but if I, if, if I, if I wanted to give them uh, maybe a little justification or explanation is I, I could see like maybe a, you know, self-important, like artistic feeling high school mm. kid, like maybe like <laughs> trying to like, overthink and be too deep about something but i don't know that's kind of a stretch and the only part is is that you don't really need a lot of this like sensing something's going wrong because you know right before todd mm-hmm. dies like alex is in his bedroom which actually this is a moment i want to point out he's in his bedroom <laughs> and he looks at a photo of claire because the the, the newspaper happened to snap a photo of her at the funeral mm-hmm. so there's a news article about the funeral so there's a photo of claire holding the flower and she's in like her black dress. And Alex looks at this and goes, hmm, I'm in the mood. And he pulls out a penthouse. <laughs> and then it cuts back to him after we've seen a bit of Todd for a while. And mm-hmm. he's looking at the penthouse and, I, and then it's like, no, I'm guilty because Claire got me in the mood. And now I'm looking at, you know, dirty, filthy mm-hmm. models with the tops off. And he shuts the magazine, he puts it away uh, to not sully himself and, you know, splooge his, his good lord. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, he, he sees signs though, what I was getting at is he sees all these little signs, like the newspaper clipping with just the, the word Todd, like mm. sort of floats onto his desk and stuff and it makes him go and check things. And all I could think was, all you need the characters to believe at a certain point is that they're being killed in the order they would have died, right? That's what he ultimately discovers once they see, yeah. like, the, the plot of the explosion. Mm-hmm. But we have all this stuff of him sensing things, of them talking about sensing things, and it just makes it all far more, like, just lame than it needs to be. Because once they start dying one by one, okay, like, one person died, that's really weird and suspicious and unfortunate after we just had this big thing that he survived. Oh, a second one died? Okay, now we're freaked out. What's going on? And then once you get the third, rule of threes, baby, and you realize they're in <laughs> order, that's when they're scared that they're going to die. And from that point on, you're set. You've got all the characters believing that they're in danger, despite the fact that it's you know, an unseen force. But instead, yeah. we have all this, you know, Ugh, I and see the, things over there. And the thing that kind of drives me crazy about it is it's one of those things where, like... 
everyone has a, a different reaction and it's kind of annoying how like you know the bully guy is like still fighting with them even though it's like you know they don't have to be best friends but you know he should at least be kind of like well i'm alive because of you like you know what can i say but he's like still being a dick to him which is like annoying and then like the teacher being like all freaked out and they're like, like what's wrong with you it's like yeah, like you're all alive because of this guy like you, you know you don't have to worship the you know ground that he walks on but like yeah I can at least not be like all weird and scared by him and stuff <laughs> like yeah well that's, uh, a, yeah, that's uh, a big part of me. it is after the, the the plane they're all weirded out by the fact that his like what he was yelling was going to happen actually happened so he's a suspect the fbi show up and they want to investigate him so we get these like two characters who are kind of like dipping in out of the movie and like looking at him funny every time he shows up at a crime scene or shows up after a death i will admit though i, I didn't find uh sean william scott's reactions kind of funny <laughs> like he's just like asking him uh like all these things about the future <laughs> like he's like yeah, it doesn't really work that way it was like mildly amusing yeah i mean the billy's even giving him shit at the funeral where he's like <laughs> you think i'm going to worship you now because you saved my life technically no 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 chance and then he tries to pick a fight with them multiple times throughout the film yeah. it's like like again like you guys don't have to be best friends but like yeah you, you could not want to like fight him too <laughs> yeah I, yeah i just all this stuff was really tiring to me and it gets old really quick because yeah by the time you get to like todd's death where he's starting to see all these signs in his bedroom like I'm sick of all these close-ups and the the, the strings going in the soundtrack. Like I'm like, okay, you're like, it, it feels like you're getting beat over the head with it every single time. And oh yeah, all all, the, all you have to do, all you have to do for this, and and they do this to a point, and in the actual scenes where there's someone about to die, is you get like just close-ups. Oh, is, uh, is this a new segment of the show? The, the, the all you have to do. <laughs> Why have I said this recently a few times? Is that? No, but I mean, let's be honest. We could, you know, you know, put a little more life into the show. You can come up with a, yeah, every week you can have a Pete's all you all you have to do segment. But what if the movie's just good though? What if we ever watched a movie that was just good? <laughs> I mean, this one one in a while it happens occasionally <laughs> or mythical. Well, then, you know what you do, then you, and you say all you have to do is nothing because you're doing a good job, baby. <laughs> all you have to do is watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I just I, I get really frustrated watching it because by this point in the film, I'm just I'm <laughs> sick. Hulk out? <laughs> I'm sick to death of oh, to death. Alex looking around with that look in his face, like oh <laughs> oh oh something's gonna happen oh no oh oh no it's the signs the think of the signs and some of his line deliveries here are really annoying as well mm. um it just it all comes off really hokey to me and uh, not in a fun yeah. way uh but like i said like in the kill scenes themselves what they do is it's really simple is you have close-ups of the various things in the room or in the house or and then the surroundings that because there's definitely some that I wouldn't have, like, teased. Like, so so one of the big deaths in the movie that everyone remembers is the bus death, right? It's, you know, it's the blonde girl getting hit suddenly with the bus. It's like, why would you have him looking at a bus? Like, a minute before it happened, you see him looking at a reflection in a bus, like, all like, oh, that's weird. Like, that bus is giving me a vibe. Um, And it's, like, sort of foreshadowing that someone's about to get hit by the bus. And all I could think was... So, uh, well, I, I thought that he... 
maybe I looked at it wrong, but I, I didn't think it was like a reflection of a bus. Like I thought, well, I didn't think it was a reflection of a real bus. Like I thought he was just seeing like kind of like a phantom bus that wasn't really there. Oh no, I think you're right. Yeah, he looks around and it's not actually there. But like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. The, the point I'm making is, is you're telegraphing to the audience that someone's about mm -hmm. to get with the bus. And I don't think that this one was fun. From that, like, it's a fun death. It's a fun like the actual hit is fun, but mm -hmm. the teasing isn't fun because there's not any other options there's no <laughs> like... yeah like the all, all the other instances he's getting like vague clues so he's like oh it might be something to do with this or that or whatever but like this was just very like blunt like all right yeah it's, it's gonna be a bus <laughs> yeah also the clues stop happening at a certain point um he still talks like he's getting them but we never actually see them after a certain point which is why i think after the the teacher's death at the house uh like the rest of them are well, there's still a couple of fun kills. They're not as fun to build up to because there's no real setup for them. Because the bus, the bus death happens quick, and it's a fun splat. But it's you know, it's like people, <laughs> people to this day, any any scene in a TV show or a movie where someone just steps onto the road and it's like it's hit with a bus or a truck or something mm -hmm. like that, they call it the final destination death, like because they think of this scene. This, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it was the first, but it was definitely the one that everyone remembered and and talked about. So. It gets used. It gets used as like a, a descriptor. But oh, fun, fun splat is something else you should put in your online dating profile. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if things go well, there'll be a fun splat. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> one could say yes. So, yeah. So the the deaths like can be really fun, and the teacher, the the teacher who is moving house, she's alone in her house, She Alex has figured so, out she's next, so... And this was the one that you were saying was kind of the peak? Yeah, yeah this, is, this is the peak yeah, of the movie. This, this one's a, really fun. This yeah. is by far the best sequence in the movie, and there's, I don't think it's even close, honestly. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Alex goes round to her house to, to sort of keep an eye on her because he's figured out mm -hmm. she's next, and the two FBI guys, like she, she notices them and then calls it the FBI guys, and they come and like take him in because yeah, this is weird <laughs> and creepy. And you were at the crime scene like right after your best friend died, and then the girl got hit with the bus when you were standing like right in front of her. Even though he like there was like lots of witnesses, so clearly he didn't kill her. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like no, no one suggested he killed her. Uh, mm. Clearly, it was the bus driver. Uh, inadvertently, <laughs> you know but which like, it kind of sucks because like yeah the bus driver is probably going to be in a lot of trouble but like this was something that was you know designed by death <laughs> like I, but i don't know i feel like he's going to get like the harsher uh sentence for it <laughs> yeah he probably will get in trouble for that i imagine uh <laughs> but i guess to be fair though it did seem like he was going quite fast in like what seemed to be like a pretty small like you know little like street <laughs> get Tim picking this apart it doesn't hold up under scrutiny <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I do think like you were uh, I mean I don't want to well uh, yeah I guess I'll just add a quick two cents to it but like um, it, it is kind of hard uh, to watch this scene now because I, I feel like we've seen these kind of deaths so often now and a lot of times I, I feel like it's usually like in comedic stuff so I don't know like it, it kind of weirdly rang funny <laughs> to me, even though, mm. you know, that, that's not really the intention. And, uh, and yeah, it might've been like one of the, again, one of the first things to do that. So it might be a little unfair to judge it that way, but yeah, I just feel like I've seen the, you know, unexpected, like bus out of nowhere death, like so many times now. 
Yeah, even uh, the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Sir, did it, like, right after this. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't the, it was, it was the, it was the villain, and it was, it was season five, Glory gets hit by, like, a, like a truck or something. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, you know, it's basically how Buffy gets away, because she's, like, realizing she can't really hold her own against her, so, like, it's so even they did, like, a similar moment, uh, in a different context, but it's, yeah. uh, yeah. But I mean, it's a it's a fun beat to play. Don't get me wrong, like, but uh, it doesn't measure up to the house scene because the house scene with the teacher, it you know the camera lingers on all these things in the room. Like she she walks into her kitchen that shows you the knife rack. Uh, it shows you um, just other things that are sticking out, or you know the record player, or other mm-hmm. you know, just other things around. Mm-hmm. Like and like something gets caught in the drain. I think at one point, and she's mm-hmm. like, there's just all these things that could go wrong. And I think this is where like the potential of the franchise kind of like shines because that's what this should be. It should be a guessing game of how what silly circumstances like a game of mousetrap are going to lead to the person's yeah. death. And it is ridiculous. And part of me was almost a little annoyed because I forgot what the actual incident. Like, or the, you know, the, the actual little spark and it's literally a spark in this case uh, <laughs> that, that sort of leads to her death and but there's a lot of setup where she smashes a glass so she has to pick that up and she decides to mm-hmm. pour vodka into her mug instead and she takes that over uh, to where her, com- her desk is where the computer is and she doesn't notice that she's actually dripping the booze like, so, there's like a, so there's a line of booze going across the floor so it's and obviously that's flammable, so that's going to be important in a minute. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's these little setup things. Now, the actual thing that sets it off being that some of her booze drips into the computer monitor, which explodes so much that a <laughs> shard of the monitor's glass like goes into her neck, is Ooh. ridiculous. <laughs> but it is fun, and that's the thing. It's like if they were trying to take them, end there. <laughs> if they were trying to take themselves seriously, like they failed mm-hmm. miserably <laughs> because this oh, sure, sure, sure. it's impossible yeah. to take this seriously. But it is really fun because it is just being silly and goofy. And it leads to her, like, you know, stumbling back in towards the kitchen. She's dripping blood mm. and she falls down. She actually, she goes to pull down the dish towel, but it's sitting on top of the knife rack. So when she pulls the dish <laughs> towel down, the knives come f- flying out and one perfectly lands upright in her chest. Like, it just goes into <laughs> her stomach or her chest. And the look in her face as she looks down at the knife landing in herself is, like, mm. really funny to me. It's like it just like you know, it's a comedy of errors, and yeah. that's why I want out of failed destination. Is this yeah. shit? <laughs> yeah, like it might as well be like a Mr. Bean scene or something, but just like yeah, actually, more when, murdery. I t- when I talked about it, like actually cracking a little joke almost. The, the thing that mm-hmm. I it does feel like an intentional joke to me is Alex is like he's, he's escaped the FBI custody by this point, they've let him go because they've got nothing to hold him on, and he runs directly back to the house, he immediately goes back, which like dude just gonna look more suspicious but he yeah. comes into the house to see if she's okay and she's lying there with the knife sticking out of her and he's like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna help you and obviously she dies anyway but he picks up the knife and pulls it out of her her body and then he's sort of holding it and then he looks at his hand and realizes he's holding what's go- what's going to look like the murder weapon and he drops yeah. it i actually thought that was really funny and it seems kind of intentional well then, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I I definitely thought it was funny as well. But I mean, I I guess like yeah, it's set up for later why the you know, FBI still wants him. How he's like a wanted man. 
Yeah, which by the way, I don't give a shit about the FBI wanting him. Like, I, I yeah, it's dumb. You know, I, 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 I can't, cannot be arsed with uh, that element of the plot. It's just kind of tedious to get through because there's a lot yeah. of them questioning him, a lot of him just saying blatantly what he thinks is happening and them thinking he's crazy and him just and he's you know the the dialogue and the performance isn't like charismatic enough to like make his really like but because there's a moment where it's actually during the section where he's being interrogated by the fbi dudes and he gives this speech about death and about what's happening and eventually they let him go and there's a moment after they let him go where one fbi dude turns to the other and he's like you know that kid gives me the creeps is like, well, we have to let him go. He's like, no, not that. Like, he gives me the creeps because for a moment there, I almost believed him. And I don't think the dialogue or the performance was, like, good enough to make me buy that this guy, this grown-ass man, was convinced of anything he yeah. just said. It was just far too, uh, you know, too hammy. And, you know, that kind of sums up a lot of the, the problems with that side of things in the movie, is, is the, the, the trying to explain things. Mm-hmm. and the th- Like, if in doubt, leave it vague. But when you start saying things like "death's got a design" <laughs> and you know things like that, it yeah. just you're, you're you're putting labels on things, and it just makes you feel hokey. You know what's kind of funny is um, I, I didn't really double check this or read up on it, but I do remember like listening to podcasts that I believe talked to the writer um, of this movie. And like these probably would have been like years ago or, or something. So um, you may want to double check this or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I believe the writer said that this actually started out as a spec script for an episode of the X-Files that, you know, uh, obviously didn't happen. So then he you know, turned it into a movie or whatever. Um, but it's kind of funny, though, if you think if that was the case, maybe these FBI agents were kind of, a, a you know, leftover from that original like. See, pitch. see, Mulder saying that he believes this kid. Like, I Absolutely, can buy it because yeah. he believes yeah. everything. Because <laughs> yeah. that's who he is. But, yeah, it, it, yeah. You can see Scully being like, oh, so this kid's like full of crap. And Mulder, like, you know, being like, oh, I don't know, Scully. Like, you know, the ancient Tibetan tribe used to believe <laughs> that death had a designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of see that. Because it's notable that these types of characters aren't really in the other ones. Like, there's no yeah. like FBI agents following the characters around in the sequels. This is this is purely the first movie that does this. It just it just bogs it down with an extra thing that you really don't need. Yeah, I, I could really do without it. Um, and yeah, maybe people would say, wouldn't he be suspicious because he mentioned there was going to be an explosion, and then there was one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there would be. But you know what? Just because it's more realistic to do that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually better for the movie for entertainment's sake, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. So, you got I that. I do think it's kind of funny that he uh, he's, like, running out of the house and, um, you know, uh, Hitchcock's there, and he's like, hey, Alex, how's it going? And then, like, the house just explodes. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, there's a lot of these characters running into each other. And I know it's not necessarily a huge town necessarily, but mm-hmm. like that scene with the bus where the blonde girl gets killed, literally all of them who survived end up there. And the only people, well, technically two of them are in pairs. So so the Billy guy, Kerr Smith's with the blonde girl because that's his girlfriend. And Ali Latter sitting with with Devin Sawa having a coffee. So, which is them continuing their conversation about death and its design. Because that's the other thing. They have their weird, shitty, like, scene in her 
house where she's talking about her sculpture and how he makes her feel, which is a really weird thing to say when they've not even, like... Yeah, you know, they're not even, like, maybe well, even asking each other for a date yet, and she's like, this, this sculpture is how you make me feel. Like, what a weird thing to say to someone. And it, so this prompts them, though, because he says something like, uh, something about, oh, it's weird, I'll, you know, I'll never get to see him again or something like that. And she's like, well, let's go see him again then. Cut to them breaking <laughs> into the to the mortician's office. Like, yeah. <laughs> Strange. Yeah, to see, to see your best friend's dead body after he's seemingly committed suicide. And they come in I'm and... I'm going to be pissed if you don't visit my corpse once I die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Tim, I'll, I'll go see it. Don't worry. Thank you. Uh, but almost immediately... You're going to, like, tour with it, like... I don't know. I'm sure some of the freaks that listen to the show would, would pay good money to come see you do a live episode with my corpse on stage. Almost immediately once they're in there, though, Tony Todd like shows up and just starts talking cryptically about death and about bodies and sleeping after you die. And of course, at the end, he says, "I'll see you soon." And he's you know, he's just there to like prod some of the mystical like. De- you know, death coming after, you know, yeah. th- th- you, you escaped death, you cheated the, the design, so, like, yeah, I, uh, I, Joe, it was so weird to me, actually, and maybe it's just because I, I've remembered it, because I know the premise of Final Destination, and I've seen the sequels and all that, but mm-hmm. it is really weird to me that they never, you know, th- th- this all happened to them because they cheated death once, so once they are able to maybe cheat it again later when they realize who's next and they like get around the deaths my question is okay first of all when exactly does it count that you saved like when someone's cheated death because Kerr Smith's character the Billy when they're together again and they meet up and the FBI are hunting Devon Sawa they're in the car together and they're kind of at this point accepting that, that something's coming after them because now three people have died that survived. Mm-hmm. And he, he starts saying, you know what? Screw death, screw design. If I'm going to die, I'll die in my terms right now. And he starts, like, you know, <laughs> speeding down the street. He starts putting his hands up and, like, sort of tempting death. And he ends up parking on a, a railroad crossing. And the rest of them get out. The, the train's coming. And he's, he's going to let himself be killed. But then, of course, he changes his mind last minute. He's like, you know what? No, it's not my time to die. But then the seatbelt is stuck. And Devin Sal has to come in and help pull him out. And he narrowly escapes being hit by the train. And it's like, okay, so sure, you technically just saved him, but what's to say that's the one that counts? Because when you look at like some of the other people who died already, there was lots of little things that almost killed them before the thing that actually killed them. Yeah, the... The thing is that it just sounds so exhausting if it's like, <laughs> like if you could just do it once and then you'd be okay, that'd be fine. But it's like, am I going to have to do this every day? Like, do well, I just yeah. constantly be on, have to be on the lookout? That's the thing. For a long time in the movie, they seem to think that if they cheat death when it's their turn, that that's them. Okay, that's that done. Mm. Now we're free to live our lives. <laughs> and I'm like, but why wouldn't you assume that once you, it, it goes through all of you again, that it won't just go back to the start? And start working yeah. through whoever's left because you still are supposed already, to die in that plane, right? Yeah, they already cheated it once. So, so <laughs> why why do they think they're safe at the end? Uh, before you know the, the epilogue scene, like you know, when they go to Paris finally at the end of the movie, and they're like, "Oh, we survived! They yay for us!" 
Uh, actually, one of the things that caught me off guard is at the start of the movie, after the plane, when it cuts to the funeral, it mentions it's been 38 days since the plane crash. And I'm pretty <laughs> oh, yeah, sure yeah. in the sequels, there's not that much of a time difference before death starts coming after them. I'm pretty That's a sure lot. Yeah. It's, 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 it's within a couple of days they start getting hunted down by death. <laughs> Death was busy. It was a busy month for death. There was a lot going on. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's assuming death like uh, only comes after people one at a time. I mean, he, he probably had a lot of, you know, a backlog from Y2K. Aye. Because <laughs> that was the thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a lot of, you know, systems crashed and caused a lot of deaths. <laughs> Yeah, Shall we on Scott, we should mention he gets killed right after Kerr Smith is saved. Uh, he's just yelling and the train's going by and it just picks up, like the train just picks up a bit of like shrapnel that's on the track and it whips round on a chain and decapitates uh, Sean William Scott's character. Uh, which is, I think again, it's pretty fun. It's a, yeah, it's a fun death and obviously seeing his head fall to the ground is pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, but it, it doesn't have any of that fun build-up that, um, you know, the teacher's death does in the house. It doesn't have that what's it going to be? It's just very sudden. Um, and sudden deaths can be fun. I, I'm not against sudden deaths. But in Final Destination specifically, though, it feels like it's not playing to the strengths. Well, uh, to me, what I like about it is uh, I thought it was a little bit of a misdirect because, yeah, they you know that that thing is going to, like, fly up and, you know, kill someone. But I kept thinking it was going to be the, uh, the bully character because mm. I thought, like... Because, you know, like you were saying before, if the teacher and stuff she narrowly escapes a lot of things so you find out okay this is not the cause of death actually this is so <clears throat> you know i kept thinking like okay so it like the train wasn't really the cause of death it was this you know piece of metal um but then it's like oh no it you know uh, it, it did skip hit him and uh that that was gonna kill someone but it was sean william scott's character i mean that, that is why it happens there is to prove to the audience and to the characters that it has skipped over Kerr Smith now and has went to the next guy which is fine but obviously how long it takes seems to vary wildly like, you know like the first death Todd took over a month from when the plane crash happened and then it took another what what two days maybe before yeah. before the girl got hit with the bus and now all of a sudden you know this was within seconds of like trying to kill Kerr Smith maybe it's because death didn't actually get its fix so it was like no I'm going straight to the next one <laughs> I'm still hungry, right. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I've not feasted on anyone's soul yet. So, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, because there's a whole there's a whole bit here where even before this scene, they have to go and find Devin Sawa because he's hiding somewhere mm -hmm. after the teacher's death, uh, which is where uh, Ali Lahr tells her tragic story about her father. Um, so sad. Yes. Uh, and then he goes to hide in her father's old cabin, which she still has access to. And he basically just try and like death proofs it by like putting <laughs> he puts like cork or like a bottle uh, corks on top of all the nails he's used to like board up mm -hmm. the windows and like he tapes down like everything so nothing can come flying at him when he's making something to eat or yeah he like he uses a plastic spoon he has like one gas lantern that he like he sits in like a sort of tub that has like a like a water like moat around it so like he basically is trying to like do everything extremely carefully so that he won't be killed uh but then he's an idiot and realizes that because he moved seat or he wasn't supposed either because he did move seat or he was supposed to move seat and he didn't move seat mm -hmm. either way he got the order wrong and it's actually clear that's next 
and the, the FBI are with her. And this is the section that just kind of all blurs together, and I didn't remember it very well. Uh, she ends up in a situation where the paddling pool in her garden, like, bursts, and there's, wa- there's water everywhere, and the electrical cable from the, the electric pole is starting to come down, and she ends up trapped in the car with the electrical cable on the, on the front of the car, and Devin Sawa comes up, after almost drowning in the forest because the tree's holding him down in the water until he can just get up. Like, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a bit weird. But he, you know, grabs the cable. And I thought, see, what I thought it was doing here and what it was going to do is that he was going to stop the cycle because he was going to technically die but be resuscitated. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Right? But it doesn't. It kind of glosses over it though, because it sort of leaves it in a cliffhanger, like he might be dead, mm-hmm. and then it skips ahead six months. And it's like, hey, they're on a plane to Paris, and, <laughs> you know, uh, happy, happy ending, happy ever after. Oh no, there's a big sign. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're sitting at like a like a little coffee shop or a bar in Paris, and a bus hits a pole that's like does a spin and hits this big sign made of lights you know it's not a neon sign it's like one of those uh where it's all these little light bulbs making up Mm -hmm. the the lettering and that comes down and almost kills uh devon sawa but then the bully knocks him out the way and the sign comes to hit him instead uh which is your big kind of like you know you know ending your cuts cuts to the credits just as it's about to hit him Mm -hmm. which I'm not so sure this works out in the ordering because if you think about, like, surely it's a, no, maybe it does work because it, we would go back round to him. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Maybe the order works. The order works. At, at this point, I just could not have cared <laughs> anymore <laughs> about that. That is that is very fair. Yes. Um, there, um, there is like some There's actually a line that the bully has when he's driving recklessly, where he says, um. Or it's right after that that part where he says something to the effect of, I'm the safest person in the world right now because you're next. And that's something oh, yeah. that the sequels go into a little bit more is the idea that if you're not next on the list, you actually can't die. Like, no matter what, fate will intervene and like stop you from dying. So if I say you jumped out the window, oh, like a, a, a truck full of feathers would be magically going past, <laughs> you know, the, like, the, the moment you do it. Uh, and that's the, that's the stuff that's interesting to me is when it is like a series of like domino effects of like r- things happening as opposed to there's like an invisible hand actually doing something because <clears throat> like the um what was the one i didn't like uh i think it's, it's probably one of the ones with the teacher or maybe it's one of the ones with todd but there's definitely one or two things where it does feel like something just moves for- oh no no i know what it was it was in the car it's when Kerr Smith tries to leave the car when the train's coming and the locks in the car, you see them oh, go sure. down. And I'm like, yeah. no, I don't like that because that's like, it's, you know, that's like someone pushed them down. Um, I, I want, that, it, you know, I, I want it to be objects just like fates, just like, oh, they just happen to be there at that moment to cause the problem kind of thing. Yeah, at that point, it's just like, well, I mean, if they can manipulate anything, then like, yeah, well, it should be a lot easier to kill these people. Yeah, it shouldn't be this hard, yeah. Uh, like the car not starting while he's still on the train tracks, that's fine. It's like okay, that's like fate or whatever. But yeah. the idea of like the, the actually seeing the locks go down, it was like no, no, that felt like a like a hand pushing them down, and I don't like that because I don't like I don't yeah. like to think of death as a ghost because that's not what right, it should right, right. be. It should be more of like a you know uh, 
skeleton Omni- in a room. No, no, no. An om- omniscient kind of like presence mm-hmm. that's everywhere, everywhere around us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, make every object the potential murder like object. That that's that's right. what we want. You know, uh, yeah. but I, you know, it's, it's whatever. But yeah. So <laughs> needless to say, like I'm not. There's de- there's definitely moments I like in the movie, but I'd say for the most part, I f- I find it kind of unpleasant and annoying at times <laughs> to watch. Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm the same way. It's uh, it like I I don't know maybe if I had watched it when it you know came out in two thousand, um, which I, honestly I'm not even really sure why I I didn't, um, <laughs> like it, yeah you know, I, I I was into horror then. Um, I, I don't know, maybe if it was something I thought, like, oh, it's, like, popular new horror, ugh, like, maybe I was a little snobby or something, but, um, yeah, maybe if I had watched it back then, I'd have, like, nostalgia for it or something, but, um, it, it's tough because I do think it is just a really, really great premise, like, it, it's, like, a, it's such a, once you hear that, it's such, like, an easy sell, like, oh, man, that's gotta be a lot of fun and have really cool deaths, um, and there are some legitimately good deaths in this, but yeah, it's just kind of mired in, uh, just a lot of stuff that, uh, that's very of the time and stuff that I don't care about. And yeah, just stuff that doesn't really look great. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a weird mixed bag. Like, uh, again, like, uh, like I said at the beginning, I, it's not like I hate it. Like, I, I don't really, I'm saying that, you know, a lot of it is like, bad or whatever but i just kind of feel very like you know not too strongly about it anything the characters start talking about what's going on i tend to be having a bad time <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's basically what it boils yeah. down to but it is a good premise and there's a couple of scenes that kind of like you know hitting that premise and yeah. i think that some of the sequels do do it better um, but it's, it's, this is not like a thing where the sequels are all great and the first one's not that. It's, it is, uh, from what I recall, it's up and down. Some of the sequels do try and take themselves a bit seriously again. Some yeah. of them go for more of a fun vibe. Uh, it, so, you know, we'll discover which ones are better, which ones are good or worse, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I like, it, it had a good premise. There's a couple of cool scenes, a couple of memorable deaths, but ultimately a lot of it just feels really silly if you actually stop and really think about what the characters are saying to each other and mm. a lot of it does feel quite dated if, you know, it's very much like it feels like the early 2000s like the opening yeah. title sequence feels very early 2000s like Hollywood the horror movie and... yeah yeah the soundtrack like the and I, I do mean Hollywood to, like early 2000s like obviously those indie horror films coming out at that time had unique vibes and looks and all that but sure. in terms of stuff coming from the big studios and New Line, you know, it's connected to Warner Brothers. It's you know, it's, it's one of the bigger studios. I mean, hell, mm. this this was uh, right before they released Lord of the Rings, so their their <laughs> their peak was about to hit. Although I think that also mm. had a hand in like meaning they had to sell to Warner Brothers because it was such mm. a gargantuan project that they ended up not being able to survive. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, needless to say. It's, eh. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically all. I, I feel, I feel bad because a lot of people have nostalgia for. It. I think a lot of people around our age, funnily enough, I, I do think will remember this quite fondly. I don't think 
this first one is that great though i think it's got a good premise but it's actually the second one that i think actually nails what i want out of it a lot more uh, but i'll be curious to see because i've not seen that in over 10 years either so i'll be curious to see how that holds up when we watch it but i mean i, I think it's a pretty common feeling that you know i i think you know uh the second one is the fan favorite uh for most so yeah uh i mean we'll see if that's how we feel about it but i, I think it's a pretty common consensus tell me what you get what you give a failed destination <laughs> uh, uh it, it's a little tougher with movies like this where you know i'm not really super passionate one way or the other um i think i'll go a this is even though it's just been a few years uh since i've seen it um i i did remember having it a, li- a little bit in a higher regard um than when i first watched it but yeah unfortunately watching it now it's uh again some of the parts that don't work stand out a bit more but i think it's still a watchable movie like i i didn't have a bad time um you know the the premise is fun um you know the i didn't hate the characters I, I didn't really love them but i don't know there's a few times i laughed and um there's a few you know genuine scenes i really liked and uh and again it's cool just that because it is so creative and uh you know interesting that it's like it's always interesting when you know you're around for the start of a new uh franchise so that's cool so um i'm not gonna go super high i'll give it a kind of waffling between like a six and a 6.5 i'll I guess I'll be a little generous and give it a, a, a 6.5. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely not great, but you know, it's watchable and it's fun. I I would agree with the word watchable. Uh, it's, it's watchable, <laughs> and I do feel like a certain age range will probably have some nostalgia for it. And yeah. even, and even I, like, it's kind of weird when you're kind of nostalgic for something, but it, you're but you don't like, you don't really like all the things <laughs> about it that are making it nostalgic. Yeah. Like, you're like, I don't like the way that it's doing things of this early like 2000s period i didn't like any of this but i'm kind of <laughs> nostalgic because i remember like watching it you know late one night when i first saw it so there's kind of a yeah. weird feeling associated with it but uh yeah I, i'll probably go with a five uh i think the first one's just right down the middle there's a good idea there's some good scenes there's potential there but there's a lot of things i don't like especially watching it this time i felt a lot of things i didn't like but I definitely was always not as high on it as I was the second one. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if the second one uh, still tickles my fancy when we watch it. Not next time, but in a few episodes' time, you'll see. We'll do the second one, <laughs> and you'll we'll just see what we see. So uh, that is Final Destination. We have started a franchise, but this one's getting fast tracked. So we'll be back with the second one in the not too distant future. Uh, you can let us know what you think of Final Destination in the comments below. Uh, of course, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV and support us for as little as a dollar per month. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Boardnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. That's why the higher tiers, of course, but you can support us uh, for a dollar and get the bonus episodes. We... Yeah, a bonus episode once per month now, and also an even more streams, which is just us sitting casually talking about whatever horror movies we've been watching. Uh, so, yeah, go to go check it out. Have a have a look, see, and see if you're into supporting the show and keeping all the content coming. Uh, but otherwise, that's pretty much it. But yes, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. 
keep watching scary movies and we'll see you next time we're out don't forget if you you may do a pose or what <laughs> oh i um pause for the thumbnail <laughs> three two one pause all right that'll do <laughs>